When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 199. One away from 200, which is, uh, I think it's safe to say we'll get to 200. My guess is Ty Anderson will be on the next episode, so he can celebrate the 200. Um, but it, since Ty's there, it's not me, so we're not going to the, we're not going to, uh, the Kowloon. No, no meet and greet podcast, the Kowloon, unfortunately. Did you see uh, Sam Hauser from the Celtics? Is doing uh, like some meet and greet on Valentine's Day at the Kowloon. What what a more romantic place in the entire Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Evan? Like that's where I would love to go. Honestly, it's a pretty good idea. Might 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 show up. Not for Sam Hauser, just for some Saugus wings. <laughs> that I mean, that, honestly, it's it, that yeah, beautiful that, romantic atmosphere there. It's the Venice of uh, it's the Venice of Massachusetts, the Kowloon. It is. I just panicked because I was like, I hope. I saw that correctly, and I didn't just spread some misinformation, but I did see it correctly. I went and looked. Uh, who from the Bruins could you see making a Kowloon meet and greet? There's one in mind. I have one in mind. I was gonna say like all, I was gonna say like all of them, but <laughs> well, yeah, but I have one particularly in mind. Oh yeah, who who is it? I'm going with Lauko. Lauko would would do something at the Kowloon like that'd be kind of his. He is. He is a complete. Now that he tweets all the time, and he's probably the number one Bruins Twitter follow. He just skyrocketed to the top of that. Uh, he he's a man of the people. You nailed it. Like he's just he's he's for everybody. So there'd be some Lord of the Rings tie-in at the Kowloon. Maybe they'd have some people dress up as like Lord of the Rings characters, uh, or the, maybe that's the only way you can get in. You got to dress as a Lord of the Rings character. Maybe he would be dressed as one too. So that's what I, that's what I do anyway when I go to Kowloon. So. <laughs> just this Lord of the Rings character. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, that's Connor Ryan, by the way. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what's up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Now I'm hungry for the Kowloon. Now I, now, now I want to go uh, and dress Shit. up in, in a Lord of the Rings costume. Um, but anyway, maybe we'll just discuss that for this whole episode because a little bit of a break here with Bruins hockey. So it's like, you know, what? What else can we talk about? But fortunately, we have many topics that you guys, we know, will know and love. Um, and we'll start here, and then we'll go bigger picture as the episode progresses. Uh, second half, Bruins are 49 games in. Uh, in the second half, what are the top? what is the top storyline you're going to want to follow in the second half? Yeah, I, I think for me it has to be uh, how the Bruins can keep that their offense afloat, right? Because, I mean, right now... Enter the holiday break. I think they were 22nd in the league in goals scored. Very reliant on, you know, the man advantage. Very reliant on the usual suspects, Pasternak, uh, Marshan, Coyle, those those guys. But since the holiday break, which I think ended on December 27th, uh, Bruins are pretty much the top offensive team in the whole league. They're number That's one incredible. in goals scored. Their power play has like, skyrocketed back up to top five, which is, I think the PKs dipped at the same time. So it's a little bit of a, a monkey's paw situation there. But... Um, I mean, they're tied for first in the league in five on five goals over this stretch. And this isn't like a, 
a flash in the, uh, the pan. You know, we're talking about since December 27th, it's been 17 games and they're scoring, you know, they're averaging close to four and a half goals per game. So I think that's going to be the biggest key. We, we mentioned this before as to what's, you know, the main priority for this team. I still think it goes back to defensively tightening, tightening things up. But if you're a Bruins team and all of a sudden you have guys like Frederick and DeBrusque and Geeky and, you know, Patra and all these other guys that are all pulling on the rope, all of a sudden you've got a pre-stacked lineup where, you know, maybe the, the star power isn't there, but you've got three or even four lines of of uh, forwards out there that can do a lot of damage in the right situation. So I think that's something is whether all these different kind of key pieces across the lineup can keep this going on after this extended break, after you have a few pina coladas, get a little sun, see if it, let's see if it carries over, right? Agreed. And, I, you know, you look at sort of what they've done in the last month, and I think the second and third efforts on uh, goals and, and kind of getting dirty down low in the zone and, and winning puck battles and winning net front battles. And you look at, like, part of the reason I think this is going to continue is because of the cast you have doing that. It's not like these are all skill guys who are, you know, finally getting greasy down low. Like, Frederick, Geeky, uh, Van Riemsdyk. Lauko, um, you know, Coyle. These are guys, I mean, Marcia and Apostrock fit into this too, but, you know, newer guys who are contributing fit into that role of, you know, even DeBrusque. They are not afraid to get down low and win puck battles and create chances from behind the net, from the sides of the net, from in front of the net. And I think that's how they've been getting a lot of their goals. And that's why I think they've sort of struck gold in the sense that they have that. So I agree with you. I think that's a huge storyline to follow. In the second half, uh, I'm going to go back into the Bruins end. I'm going to go in net. Um, I am fascinated to see what happens with Jeremy Swayman. Uh, does he what is the the divvying up of um, of games in the second half over these last bunch of games? Who's getting more? Um, and does Jeremy Swayman continue to sort of pull away? Um, and how do they, you know, um, how do they make sure Linus Olmark is fully healthy come the playoffs? And also, I mean, Swayman's health is also a, a thing, but with Olmark's, you know, thing that happened in Arizona, um, how do they manage that? So, uh, and I also think in terms with Swayman, like we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks when he made those arbitration comments, you know, does he continue to raise his value and do they get something done now? Like I, you know, because again, his value is only going up. Doesn't really show signs of stopping. You know, I think the value only goes down if he lays an egg in the playoffs. I think at this point, we know he's going to be getting playoff games. Right now, I think he'd be the game one starter. Um, but how does he sort of respond over these next couple of weeks? And just how many games do they give him? I mean, do they give him a little bit more? Do they transition him into playing a lot more to rest Olmark? Like, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see that just because they have gone, uh, you know, the last season or two with sort of the you know trying to go every other but that feels like it could maybe uh break up over these next couple months yeah it'd be very fascinating to see if jim montgomery kind of stays with it because again as we always say it's one thing to do it in november and december in the middle of the regular season it's one thing to you know i think jim montgomery said in i think it was late november uh mentioning that they want to keep the goalie rotation going in the playoffs let's see it being carried out in practice once we get to you know uh, February and March and even when the playoffs and we've said like, that's going to be the biggest trial I think for Montgomery and this team is staying the course there. Right. Like I think we, we see that this team is at its best when those two guys are playing off each other, when they're both, you know, staying fresh, they're both kind of, you know, 
getting the best out of that internal competition of both wanting the net. Um, but what happens when one guy hits a little bit of a lull here, or, you know, swimming has a shutout in game one, you're not going to go back to him for game two. Like you staying with the plan there. That whole thing is going to be fascinating because I, I feel like a strong from to net firm, ideally both of them, unless one of them just goes unconscious is going to be the most important thing for this team uh, going on a deep run. But uh, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of conviction uh, from Montgomery to stick with it. Because again, that's been their game plan last year. They went away from it It all kind of imploded in on them. So we'll see what, uh, what this year brings, but even going off of your point too, Evan of uh, Swayman, same thing. I think with like a guy like DeBrusque in terms of like, do the Bruins bridge the gap now and start looking at contracts for him? Cause again, like Swayman's one where value seems to only be going up. Maybe DeBrusque wants to wait it out now. Maybe the Bruins have seen enough where they want to keep him. That's another thing worth keeping tabs on is uh, they don't really have a whole lot of free agents this year, at least uh, guys that you can project as being part of maybe the next couple of years. Um, but DeBrusque is definitely something to keep tabs on as to whether or not the Bruins just kick that uh, down the road for the offseason or whether they want to maybe take care of some business uh, once maybe the, the trade deadline passes. They got to make sure they're standing on business, Connor. That's the biggest thing. They got to be yes. stanced up on business. Um, yes, as they <laughs> like say. The, like the kids say. Uh, ben Reemsdyke's an interesting one in terms of free agents because you know he's going to be going to the negotiating table being like, going to need a little more than a million dollars for one year. Going to need a teeny bit more than that. Um, so I think he's going to be, uh, maybe it'll be another two mil. That'll be like, he'll make, he, he'll learn from Detective Crashmore. Like he's got to have a quota. It's his quote, not a quota. It's his quote, two million, yes. uh, two mil. Um, Just but, no tattoos. No tattoos. Oh God, no tattoos. So you're not getting any Christmas presents that year. Just that year. Um, just that year, though, you, you it restarts on January first. Thankfully, yeah. um, all the people who haven't watched, I think you should leave. Are like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, anyways, before we get to the rest of our conversation, a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I mean, really. It's one of the best sports days of the year. Even in the post-Brady era for Patriots fans, there's nothing better than posting up with your pals, making some buff chick dip, maybe a few nachos, ordering some wings, and watching two powerhouses play. Now, I don't know about you, I'm going to take a Travis Kelsey touchdown in Las Vegas. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Again, that's $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's a pretty good deal. So go to FanDuel.com Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in mass, first online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So on Bruins Beat, we talked about Elias Lindholm, and we kind of shot down the notion of 
Uh, they probably shouldn't be going after the big fish in the pond at this deadline. You don't have a ton of assets. You don't want to give up your few assets and kind of want to run it with this group and see what happens. You've got the goaltending. Um, you have the top dogs on D. You have enough offensive contributors uh, to try and see if you can make this thing work. Um, that doesn't mean they won't do anything, though. Uh, in terms of realistic trade targets, I want to emphasize the word realistic because I think that's important to note here. I think a lot of people, and I get it. I, I've said this on Bruinspeed. I get fans wanting the big fish. I get it. You want to see your team can you know uh, compete in the arms race but uh in terms of realistic trade targets who do you look at and say oh it'd be an interesting fit for the bruins yeah i think for me i'm just focusing on two areas the lineup i'm gonna say like third pairing d whether it's a guy that can slot in there or even like a depth defenseman um so i think you're looking at a guy like Ilya labushkin who is obviously uh over in the west coast now was with buffalo last year but isn't flashy, but he's a right shot guy. Um, physical, block shots, lands a lot of hits. I don't, I don't think you want him in your top four, but um, you know, if something happens, we get to slot in a guy like Weatherspoon. Uh, if you have Kevin Chattenkirk struggling, uh, Derek Forbert's a guy who also was limited uh, at the end of last week with, I think, the same lower body injury. That's a bit of a concern, right? Like again, I think you've got really good insurance and in a guy like Weatherspoon out there, but. You might have to add another guy to either step into a, a spot there to, to cover for a guy like Grizzly or Shattenkirk, or maybe a, just a, more of a seventh D role. So, you know, a, a guy like Lubushkin could be a possible target for the Bruins. Um, Nick Sealer is a guy uh, for the Flyers. Again, they're in the playoff mix right now, so you wonder if they are actually going to move off some of those pieces. But... The Bruins have killed the Flyers. They're out. They're gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Season's yeah. over after Saturday's game. Yeah. So maybe he's a guy, again, not flashy, but third-pairing third guy. Um, I think he's kind of more in the top four this year for uh, the Flyers, which might elevate his value. But 6-2, simple game. Um, I think those are the guys on defense you're looking at as opposed to, like, a Noah Hannafin, a Chris Tanev, uh, some of those more flashy names out there. But those are two guys uh, I think you keep tabs on defensively. And then on the forward group, I'm looking more at like fourth line guys, like tone setting type of players. Um, so like, you know, Ty, Ty and I mentioned uh, Liam O'Brien, who in Arizona, a goon, like that's kind of what he does. But uh, a goon. <laughs> yes. But uh, if you're looking for a guy that can set the tone, can, you know, maybe doesn't play every game in a playoff uh, series, but can jump in the lineup and make things happen. Um, he could be a guy worth looking at. He sure sounds like a fucking Bruin. He sounds like he's from Hangham. You know, I think he's from Nova Scotia, I believe, but big red Thanks, beard. Hang yeah. Bruins fans would, would love a guy like that. But even a guy like Brendan Duhame. Uh, for the Wild, which you wonder if that team's going to start selling. Again, lands a lot of hits, plays a pretty straight-line game on the fourth line. Like, if you're able to even add just maybe a more established type of player like Duhame on that fourth line, that you can slot in there and kind of set the tone for a, a a group there that I say maybe is, like, more impressionable, where you've got a younger player like Lauko, you know, Beecher's in that mix, Boquist is in there now, but you have a lot of young, hungry players that are, are fighting for those fourth-line spots. If you're able to get a guy like Duhame almost in the same vein as uh, like what Hathaway was last year, I think that can go a long way towards setting the tone and building a little bit more of a identity on the checking unit. So that's kind of what I'd be prioritizing is fourth-line and then third-pairing spare defense. Not really flashy. 
but no, I agree. So we are thinking the exact same wavelength on this of these are the kinds of guys you want to acquire. You're not getting the highly skilled top six winger. You're not getting a top four defenseman who you sign long term. Um, I have another name from Minnesota that I'm sure people would be very interested in having come here. And that's Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon's an interesting one because he's won a lot of cups. Big guy. Uh, my guess is he wants to go to a cup contender. Uh, I know Flurry is like the big one with Minnesota if they move yeah. him or not because they're out of, the, you know, as Spoke Z would know, the Minnesota Wild are out of the picture. Um, but I do wonder if Maroon's physicality, um, I think he's another guy who would not play every night. Um, that would be kind of matchup based. But if you need an injection of physicality in a playoff series, a voice in the room type of guy, um, he's been through various Stanley Cups. He beat you in 2019 with the Blues. Um, that's an interesting one. And I don't, I can't imagine it's going to take a ton to get him. Um, I, I know going into the year, I think the Bruins looked at Lucic as that guy. Obviously, that has not worked out. So uh, bringing in a guy like Maroon, be an interesting idea. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, again, like as long as you're not, you know, if if he's coming in and he's completely limiting the fourth line's role and they, you know, they're never out there, they don't get to do much. Okay, you know, then you got to reevaluate. But the physicality end of things, you know, the being a little bit more imposing. One of the problems the Bruins have had over the last like five years in the playoffs is they do get thrown around a bit. Um, he might help with that. So that's maybe a guy that you want to have in there. So Maroon would be an interesting one. Uh, another one would be a local guy, Colin Blackwell. If you're looking for a little bit more of a, you know, potential third liner as well as a fourth liner, that's an interesting one. I think teams could be after him. Uh, I wonder if the value, again, the deadline, you're always, no one's paying fair price. You're always paying a little bit more. Um, local guy, like to me, that seems like an interesting fit of some, a depth piece in your in your bottom six who can you know contribute on the score sheet and also you know play responsible in their own zone so i'll go with either of them um i mentioned henrique on bruins beat adam henrique with the ducks um he's a little bit bigger of a fish um so that's one and then two names on defense i'd give is justin schultz with seattle and Marco Scandella with St. Louis, uh, both depth pieces. Scandella might be a little expensive in terms yeah. of like his actual contract, um, but both can. You know, Justin Schultz I know was good last year for the Kraken in the playoffs, um, and Scandella has uh, played a little bit better this year. Older guys, veteran players who could kind of fit in your on your third pair. Um, I, I mean, Schultz could potentially play every night. Like that's the other thing. So I don't know. You're gonna have to clear cap though for a lot of these guys. You know, that's the other thing is. How do you do that? So what do you think of those names? Any any strong feelings towards them? Yeah, I mean, I think all of them kind of fit the tone of what we've been kind of saying now is that you maybe have to lower your expectations as to getting a big fish or a top six dollar or even like a, you know, a Duclair or a guy like that, right? That could yeah. maybe be a 20 goal scorer. I just think it's look you're looking more at uh, depth pieces or guys that just add a little bit more in terms of what you might expect in the playoffs. Like again, as you said, an O'Brien or a, uh, uh, guy like Scandella, or even, uh, you mentioned like Pat Maroon, are those guys going to like augment the entire DNA of the team? No, but like they can surely help you out. It's like if, if you're driving through a blizzard or something like that, which is like the, akin to what the Stanley Cup playoffs are, it's like, Maybe you add a little bit of like the the chains for the tires. I mean, that's what Pat Maroon is. It gets you over that one little bump you yep. need to. A little bit of extra heft there, I, I would say, to help you out in that spot. So, 
Uh, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. It's maybe these things that are viewed as marginal upgrades, but uh, they come in handy when you have a, a critical moment in a game where it's like, uh, it's almost like you'd rather have a spot where you have a guy like an O'Brien or a Maroon or a Duhame where things get physical. You know, you have a, a guy that you can turn to as opposed to not having anyone or it falls on a guy like Frederick who can do it. We all know that. But uh, Frederick is now a, a middle six play driver. At least he's playing like it right now. Like it, yeah. it, shouldn't, it shouldn't all fall on him uh, is more or less my point there. I completely agree. And I think that's why adding some physicality, adding, a, adding some toughness at the deadline, I don't think is a bad idea for this team. Now, uh, in terms of moving guys off the current roster, that's a big question. And I think it's another question of uh, what are you giving up to get guys like Maroon, Duhame, Scandella, Schultz, uh, O'Brien? What are you giving up? Uh, but first, a quick word from our friends over at Factor Meals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's get back to the show is right. Let's get back to that show. Why not? Um, in terms of dealing anyone off the current roster, uh, we talked a lot back in the summer about, hey, what if this team is average and you get to the deadline and you got to make some tough calls? Van Riemsdyk, DeBrusque, Grizzlick. We've talked a lot about DeBrusque and Grizzlick throughout the year in terms of dealing them. Um, where are you at with dealing guys off the current roster? I mean, I think I'm at the point now where I don't think you move any player unless it's to clear up the necessary cap space to, to bring someone else in. I'm not either moving guy like for future assets because um, I think guys, people mention maybe their value has been hampered that, you know, I, I wouldn't move like Grizzly for a fourth round pick when even though I think he's had some injuries this year and he struggled uh, below what I think people were expecting. I'm not moving him for a fourth round pick when you can still have him be a useful piece for the playoffs, especially when we know injury is going to happen. Like, I think the Bruins are well aware of, uh, it feels like a long time ago, but I think Don Sweeney and the Bruins are, uh, still remember that Ottawa series when it was like, was it Joe Morrow, <laughs> like Tommy Cross and all, all those guys. Like, uh, I don't think they're going to willingly subtract from an area like that on defense. Um, but yeah, I'm at the point where, again, unless you're like really just trying to clear cap space out with with moving a deal like that, a contract like Grizzlicks, I'm not seeing the move like obviously Olmark or DeBrusque or anything like that. I'm not seeing any blockbuster headline stealing uh, uh, trades by the Bruins at all. But I really can't see them moving too many assets off off the team, other than it being a more of a transactional making the money balance out. But curious to see what your thoughts are. Yeah, I don't. I think they've passed it. I think you've passed – you're too good to deal off a top six forward in Jake DeBrusque or a top four left shot defenseman in Matt Krizlik. And I know people will disagree with us on this. They'll say, oh, put Lowry in there. Who are you trusting in the playoffs? Like, again, Lowry has a lot of upside. We both think he's going to be really good, and he showed it at times up in Boston this year. But are you ready to go on a deep cup run with a rookie? 
I mean, that's, you know, that's a real question you got to ask yourself. And I get it, right? We've said all along, and I've been consistent in this. You need to get future assets. You need to find ways into the first round. You need to keep your draft picks in future years, especially the high ones. Obviously, if you have to give up a fourth or a fifth for someone like, you know, a depth defenseman, you got to do what you got to do. But the high ones you want to keep or go out and get. But to me, like, uh, you need... Keeping DeBrusque and Grizzlick are kind of like adding guys at the deadline in the sense that for a long time we figured, oh, Grizzlick will get dealt off potentially, or, oh, you know, you might need to trade DeBrusque off. You keep those guys for the stretch run. You keep them. And I think also that their play could improve because they know they're not getting dealt. I think that's hung over both of their heads this year, especially someone like Grizzlick who is from here. So um, I- I'm not trading anyone off. The only P- – like – I saw, like, Fluto wrote this the other day about Johnny Beecher potentially being uh, a trade chip. Okay, fine. I mean, I'm not thrilled about it. If it, if it upgrades your team, you do you have to do what you got to do. Because, again, he's in Providence right now. And, you know, Boquist has found his way up here. And you have depth forwards. Um, but in terms of guys on the roster, like, I don't know. As you said, unless it's to make the money work. And, it, mm-hmm. and you are better because of it, both short-term and long-term. But I am not dying to give up pieces um, of this current team. When you are first in the NHL and you are a true Stanley Cup contender at this point, I don't think now is the time. And I get it. Like, if De- let's say DeBrusque and Grizzlick walk in the offseason. That stinks. You know, you didn't get anything for them. But at least you will have gotten a playoff run out of them, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing at this point that you have to focus on. Yeah. And I think even like the last point there, too, is like we haven't mentioned, you know, guys like Lori or Lysel or Merculov or what have you. But again, comes back to I can't see this team being in the pursuit of some top uh, trade targets out there where maybe you would part ways with a Lori if the right guy was available because you just don't have the money that works like i i can't exactly. even like examine those scenarios where they're going to subtract from they're already pretty barren farm system but it, like again if the right piece came along your hands are more or less tied but just the way the cap works out where all right, all right maybe you can trade you know whatever lori and merkulov and grizzly can make some of the money work but still if you're trying to add an impact piece which you'd imagine would be the asking price for if you're including some of your younger prospects like that still got to move like another contract or two to make that whole thing work. Um, so I just don't really see it being a viable option in terms of one, them moving guys off the roster for the sake of getting an asset or, or what have you. And even down on the, uh, down in Providence or in college, down on the farm, wherever it may be. <laughs> I can't, I can't see the, the Bruins either taking that route either. I can't. And I, 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 I just, I don't think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I, I, you know, you keep your roster as is, and it's starting to gel. I think that's the biggest thing is over the last month, we talked about it with the offense. Um, they're, they're just starting to come together and they're, they're still in first place. And I, to me, I just go back to, there's no reason to trade guys off the, off the, uh, off the current roster. But, uh, anyways, that's been this episode of poke the bear. Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at the globe and boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered every step of the way this season with game recaps, features, columns, breakdowns. Uh, we have something in the paper running on Wednesday uh, looking at the top surprises this year. I think there's quite Ooh. a few names on that list. Um, a lot of guys have stepped up, obviously, but 
We broke that down over uh, on the print side on Wednesday, but we'll have plenty of more stuff throughout the season. You can find all of it over at the globe and at boston.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your week. 